Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. But today, my friends, I'm going to work on something a little different. I'm going to work on your psychological freedom. What is interesting, though, is that although I'm known for going from rags to riches kind of self-help entrepreneurial type spirit guy, there's really a lot underneath of all that. And the reason I'm going to share this, and I've shared bits and pieces of it along the way, so there's nothing new revelations today I'm going to throw out there. But, but the reason I'm going to articulate it today as a group of ideas, a group of things, is that I believe that there are a group of you out there that match my situation, which is you're living on the dark side. How do I know this? Because I get emails from you all the time where you're living lives of quiet desperation. Now, I, I guess jokingly, that's not really jokingly. I contend many times on the radio show that people are living lives of quiet desperation. And Whenever people come up and meet me after they've been to a seminar or whatever, they go, you know, I just listen to you, and it sounds like you're speaking to me directly. And that tells me that this is more of a universal problem than what the world wants to admit. And so here we are in a situation where, you know, we're going through all this political turmoil with, you know, the people on one side hate the people on the other side, and you can just feel that massive tension. And you can feel the visceral hatred of one side to the other. But what I'm contending is that there is visceral hatred, not on the open level, like right now the open level hatred, the people burning buildings down, the people screaming and yelling on both sides of the political stand, that visceral hatred, my friends, goes all the way back home goes all the way back to their childhood, goes all the way, 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 way back to the beginning of their life. And they've never gotten out of it. They've never been able to break out of that shell of hatred for themselves, for their parents, for society in general, the way society treated them. Now, if you go back a couple generations in my family, and I believe in almost everybody's family, especially if you go back to World War II people and before that, you go to the Wild Wild West. The reality of the world then was kill or be killed. Eat what you kill. Survive or die. And as we grew society, that tough level of thinking, that me-against-the-world survival mentality survives. It trickles down. It's called the zero-sum gain. If I'm going to have any pleasure, it's only going to come at your distress. 
If I'm going to have any money, it's only going to come by me keeping you from getting money. This is that me against the world mentality that's out there. And as I think back and, you know, I was thinking about what are you thankful for? And I'm sitting here and this is so sad, but I'm not thinking, I'm not thankful for my parents. I wish I had different parents. I've met incredible families where the parents were incredible. And if you've got one of those families where your parents were incredible, and I want you to think about this. Your mother and dad didn't get divorced once or twice or three times or four times. Mine's four or five, six times. My mom four times, my dad three times. I mean, come on. And you were bouncing around in all those kind of broken homes all the time. Your parents never really got it. Yet there are people out there where the parents are solid as a rock. They don't bounce around. And they make not only a good family life, but a financial life, a secure financial life, a secure family life. And when you come out the other end, you know, you see the kids come out the same way. It's like an easy bake oven. When I was a kid, whatever you put in, it came back out, slid in one side, came back out the other side. Same thing. It was baked a little, it was cooked a little, hardened a little, but it was still the same thing. Whatever you put in there, came back out the other side, you slide it and it goes right through. And that's the way life is, you know? And so as I look back and I'm starting to think, well, what am I happy for then? If I really wasn't happy that, what am I happy for? So I want to share those with you today because there may be a few glimmers of light in here that somebody out there that's suffering can grab hold of. So I'm going to start with a book called Pulling Your Own Strings by Dr. Wayne Dyer. If you are emotionally distressed right now, if you just think the world hates you and it's not fair and it's all over with and you're going to die, and even in suicide thoughts, get the book Pulling Your Own Strings by Dr. Wayne Dyer. I'm sure at this time the book must be 50 years old, 60 years old. I read it when I was a little kid. And it's probably too high of reading for a little kid. It might have messed me up, but it also saved my life. And what it taught me was, is that everybody out there is trying to manipulate your brain. Trying to manipulate you to believe what they want you to believe, to do what they want you to do. Because you are in a zero-sum gain society. The only way they get more by getting you to do what they want you to do, which gives them more or stops them from doing what they have to do, or it takes it away from you, or in some cases, and Wayne Dyer explains this, it's just their way of spreading the unhappiness that they live. They're miserable. And they want that misery to spread. In fact, if I'm miserable, the only way I'll feel better is if other people around me are more miserable. If you ever catch yourself in a conversation where somebody just puts you down or you're in a fight with your your spouse, the only way to get out of that fight is to start talking about your relatives. You know, but what about, you know, God, did you see them? Or or somebody else you know, and you start talking about, oh, man, you know what they did? Oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden you feel better. Now, where does this mechanism kick in? You feel better by talking about other people's failures. I see myself doing it. I catch myself doing it. It's a defense mechanism. It's divert the glare on me. We are glaring at me and my faults. Let's divert that glare of our faults to somebody else. And I feel in most cases, after you read this book, Pulling Your Own Strings, it will change your life. Because you will just stand there with your eyes wide open and your jaw down, looking at people going, 
You're doing exactly what the book said you're doing. I see you manipulating me. I see you doing what you want, telling me to do what you want, trying to misrepresent what's actually going on so that you can get me to believe I should do what you want. And then it brings up the fact is that it, this happens at every level. So what this book taught me was don't let those guys get in your brain. And then the next logical step is take action to improve your life. In other words, don't do what they want you to do. And so I started living that way. I stopped doing what everybody else wanted me to do at a very early age. I, I, I became a contrarian to almost everything in life. And it made a difference. I started becoming happy. I started feeling better. Life was fun for the first time ever. And then two things happened that changed my life forever. And there's no way I could thank anybody more on this earth than these next two situations that occurred. First one was because I started living this contrary in life, my mother thought that I had inherited her, her loony gene. And by the way, I have a little bit of it because I catch myself every once in a while going into Looney Tunes zone. But she couldn't get out of it. And so she thought, again, her life was miserable because she had a loco kid. Her life was miserable because she had a stupid loco father. Everything was outside of her. She had none of the faults herself. And so she took me to a psychiatrist. And so she went in and talked to the psychiatrist with my dad and told him all the bad things that I've done and how I wouldn't act. I wouldn't eat the way they wanted. I wouldn't dress the way. I wouldn't do what they wanted me to do, blah, blah, blah. And how I was resisting their demands to to babysit my sister. And by the way, I had to clean the house. I did all the clean. My mom was a cripple, mental cripple. I had to clean the house. I had to cook. I did all this stuff. I was the adult in the family. And so they came out of the psychologist's office. I'm going to give you the short version of this. And they walked out. And at the time, my sister was throwing a tantrum. And this was one of the problems that they made me babysit my sister. And my sister got the lunatic gene. And so my mom and my dad loved my sister because every father loves his little daughter. My mother hated my sister because she was beautiful and I wasn't, and so that was her contribution to Earth as this girl, and my father's contribution to Earth. And so they both would make me take care of her and yell at me. So what happened was they came out the door, and my sister's coat was on the floor. We were sitting in a couple chairs. It was hers on the floor. And my mother went off on me right in front of the psychiatrist saying, blah, 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 blah. You, you should never let your sisters go. Why you don't do anything right in life? You're a terrible, terrible, terrible brother. You're a terrible son. You're blah, blah, blah. The psychiatrist saw this stuff, and he grabbed her back in the office and yelled at her. She came out. He said, son, I need to talk to you. He walked in there. He said, son, let me explain this to you. You're okay. You're just fine. Your mother has a problem, but you need to realize it's not you. That was the most important thing I ever heard in my entire life. My dad didn't say it. My mother didn't say it. My grandfather didn't say it. Nobody ever said anything to me like that doctor. It only took a minute or two for him to say, you're okay. Pulling your own strings means in your life, you're okay. You can be okay. So the next thing that happened to me after that was I found a book by Bruce Randall. And I, don't, I swear to God, I looked up the name. I can't find the name of the book, but the guy's name is Bruce Randall. Bruce Randall was Mr. Universe way back in the 50s. And he had weighed 425 pounds and he went on a diet and weightlifting routine and lost from 425 down to 225 and became Mr. Universe. He was on Ed Sullivan. He was on all kinds of TV shows because it was the most phenomenal physical, human physical change that they'd ever documented. I read the book and I go, that's it. That's what I need to do. 
And I went on a diet that summer. I went and found some dumbbells and barbells that were in somebody's garage sale. I bought them for like five bucks, took them home, put them in my basement, and I proceeded to eat one can of tuna and one can of green beans three times a day. Answer, solution. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Lifestyles Unlimited Success Stories. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing in the economy? Kept on coming to meetings, even with David Fisher online and stuff like that, but still we just like, we need to make the jump. So we kept praying for time to get this job done, to, to be able to find the properties. How do we find the properties? How do you find the time? And God answered our prayers and he got downsized from his corporate job. This house was a dog and through the rehab, I think we turned it into a little pony. You bought the house for $73,000. Correct. And your appraised value actually is $144,000. You put in forty-five dollars worth of work, so that leaves you a net equity of 11000 with a return on capital gain of 70%. The cash flow is $458 a month for a cash-on-cash return rate of 35%. In-person and online learning dates at lukstudy.com. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. We're talking about things you should be thankful for, and I'm sure most of you have a lot of things to be thankful for. I know I have lots and lots and lots of things to be thankful for, but they wouldn't be the normal ones that you would associate with. Say, well, Del, shouldn't this be a lottie dotty dotty family, 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 love, love, love type of conversation? And the answer is you're all going to do that anyway. That's plenty of time. Now I'm talking to the real people because your family's trying to control, manipulate you your entire life. You've never lived up to what your parents wanted you to be. You've never been able to get away from their control, manipulation. And I'm telling you how I did and how I became very successful and very happy because of it. So the first thing I bring you to is a book called Pulling Your Own Strings by Dr. Wayne Dyer, who taught me that everybody out there is trying to control, manipulate you. You got to read the book to get the understanding how deep this goes even to people who say they love you, even to people who act like they love you, even to people that confess that there's nothing but love, especially people that there's nothing but love, and especially people like governments and religions. They all want to control you, so they tell you these are the important things in life. Of course, the important things are what they want you to do. And so after reading that book, I reevaluated what was actually important in life and started becoming successful and happy because I stopped believing what everybody else said. Get a job, go to school, get a job, 401k, get an IRA, you know, get married, have two kids, get a dog, buy a house, and put money in a 401k, and when you're 65 years old, you should have enough money to retire and blah, blah, blah. That's what they taught you. And I figured out that's all wrong. Doesn't make any sense, doesn't work. That's why it doesn't make any sense, because it doesn't work. Then I found this book by Bruce Randall, who had gone from 425 pounds down to 225 pounds, and I followed what he said, and I lost all my weight, and within no time at all, I was the strongest kid in the state by the time I got to high school. And I lost all the body fat. I was ripped to shreds. And it was like, all of a sudden, I was from the guy that everybody hated. And by the way, I also got rid of my glasses and got eventually got contacts. But it was what happened was I went from the little fat kid that everybody hated, well, actually big fat kid, that everybody hated, to 
a center of attention. What was I as captain of football team? I was class president. I was king of prom. All of a sudden, everything changed. But it changed because I read this book. Not because my parents stopped doing the wrong things. It changed because I read this book about how to get into shape. Now, what did I really learn from this book? Other than the fact that I went on to be a successful amateur athlete and won tons and tons and tons of awards in both powerlifting, Olympic lifting, and bodybuilding. What I learned was, if you want something, find somebody who has it and copy what they do. And don't copy at your own behest. Copy what they do. And I did. And it worked. And so now I know, hmm, if I want to be rich, should I look at my parents? Well, they're not rich. Okay. Hmm, I want to be rich. Should I look at my college professors? No, they're not rich. Hmm, should I look at my CPA? No, he's not rich. My attorney? No, he's not rich. None of the people that we look to for direction in life have anything to do with being rich. They have other things that you can ask them that they know about, but not how to make money. School doesn't teach you how to become rich. It doesn't teach you how to be a business person. School teaches you how to be a cubicle dweller, how to work for someone else, how to get off of the street into a rat reel and just start churning away for the rest of your life. And I learned if you don't want something like that, you have to go find somebody who does it differently. And I went on and found the information necessary to become a multi-multi-millionaire through investing in real estate. And we've all heard that story. We'll go to it another time. But I want you to understand the next book I found was a book called How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown had run for president as an independent, no, independent libertarian. But whatever, this guy was a genius. And what he wrote about was that society in whole. Now, remember, pulling your own strings, Wayne Dyer hit on that, but he was mostly focusing on the people directly around you, your friends and family and relatives that were manipulating you. This was, hey, the whole world is manipulating you. They teach you beliefs like we need a government to build roads. No, we don't. You can build a private road. In fact, toll roads are probably the most successful roads out there. Very good roads. There was no government intervention. That was the toll roads. It's a private road. We have private roads. You can build roads without government. It says everything out there can be done without government. Now, one of the things that he says that you do is that you create affiliations. You don't give up your power. You don't give up your life. And that's what the Constitution was about, folks. They tried to figure out a way to affiliate 12 affiliated states, I think it was, whatever the original 12 or 15 states were. But that was an affiliation, a loose affiliation, to say the least. And they never wanted the government to take control like they have now. And this guy explained all this about how you don't need partners to go into deal. I see tons of people going like, hey, man, I'm going to go buy a rent house. Would you do that with me? And I don't know why two guys who each have enough money to do a rent house think that going together and buying, we can buy a bunch of them together. Let's do it together. Why do people need to do things together? And then they partner and they have equal power. That's not the way deals work. That's not the way a successful deal works. A successful deal works when you put together a business and then you let other people invest in the business, but you have control of the business. If you don't do that, then there will be fights and battles and this and that and the whole bit, and it just doesn't work. When I first created Lifestyles, I wrote a class. It was a three-hour seminar on how to get around the fact that just going and doing something with your brother, your sister, your mother, your friend just doesn't work. And there's so many loopholes in that idea. So this How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World book taught me about how 
to align myself with people so that they didn't have control over me. Because all of your social connections, all of your political connections, all of your religious connections, all of these big group ideas that you think you have to belong to this big group to get something done is holding you back. In other words, I'm not going to be happy until the whole group's happy is a nonsensical concept. Yet it drives our political beliefs. The thing is, is that when you say that you're a part of a group, you disempower yourself. You don't empower yourself. You disempower you. You now have to act as a collective. And as a collective, you're going to get regression to the mean. And you're going to end up being the person that's living a life of quiet desperation in the middle of doing all the work. So we look at this stuff, and this was the next growth spurt in my life. It allowed me to start doing business with people and having relationships with people that actually made sense and where I didn't get taken advantage of in the relationship. So you can take this all the way down to a husband-wife relationship. That can be a terrible arrangement if set up the way society wants it to be right? The parent-child relationship can be terrible, but that's more of pulling your own strings. Anything where you're going to affiliate with people becomes problematic unless you set it up the right way. It's not that we can't do stuff with other people. We have to set it up the right way. The next book I want to talk about is very, very powerful. The book is called Think and Grow Rich, written by Napoleon Hill. And what he did was he interviewed for over, a, I think it was like a 30-year period of time. He had gone around and, and interviewed the wealthiest people in the world. And what he used to do, what his job was, he wrote self-help articles. You know, it wasn't books, but articles and pamphlets and stuff. So you'd get like a story. You get a story about Andrew Carnegie, and you get another story about Rockefeller or something like that. And he'd, you know, he'd interview these great people, and he'd then put out this pamphlet on what they said. Well, after a long enough period of time, he had accumulated all this information. He consolidated it, and along with that, took the theories that each of these wealthy people told him, explained to him about, and he put them in the book. And he consolidated it into a manner that was really easy to read and very, very powerful. But one of the things he said in the book was, from the very beginning, almost the first page, I think it was, it said, in this book, on every page is the way to become wealthy, rich, successful in every aspect of your life. He said, the problem is you're not ready to receive those ideas. So what you need to do is read this book. And put it down, let it sink in, and then pick it back up again later and read it again. Because some of the stuff that's in this book, in fact, a lot of the stuff in this book, you won't get. You don't have the psychological understanding and strength to understand what these rich people are telling you. And it's true. I mean, when I tell people things like you need to refinance your house, you have a painful house, it's a totally ridiculous thing to have. Get the money out of there and go buy yourself income-producing assets. Don't know how many times in 30 years, thousands and thousands of people have come to me and said, my wife can't understand that, or my husband can't understand that, you know, or my banker can't understand that, or my parents can't understand that. Everybody thinks that paying off your house is the most important thing. But until you understand that that capital may be the only capital you have, and you're never going to have enough money to get rich with, you'll never be able to go on to the next step with, which is what do you invest that money in? Because you don't get your money, because you did everything that they told you to do. A perfect example of that is Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey wants you to never get off your bicycle. Never, ever use leverage to get rich. Every person I know 
they got rich, used leverage. They used other people's money, other people's time, and other people's knowledge. They don't do it themselves. People that do it themselves are doing things as a hobby. The piddlers, yeah, they may be an artisan, and they make something that, as an artisan, they can do, but they're never going to be really rich, never going to be really financially successful in any way, shape, or form, because you have to use leverage to get there. So I read this book, and it was so profound. And by the way, I took a highlighter, and I highlighted it. I think the first time I highlighted it was in yellow, which is you know, the yellow highlighter. And it was so profound, I found myself highlighting entire paragraphs, sometimes just circling pages and bending page because... It was unbelievable, and it wasn't one word. It was an entire thought, a theory. And man, by the time I got done with that book, I was so fired up. I was ready to change my life completely and become a multi-multi-millionaire. Well, actually, back then, all I ever dreamed about was being a millionaire. The multi-millionaire thing's a whole other story. In fact, we'll cover that another day. So I, um, I read this thing, and I was like, wow, that's unbelievable. And I went, and I started using these things. About six months to a year later, I decided I better read the book again, like it said. So I went back with a different highlighter color. I think I had a, a green highlighter. And what was interesting, as I read the book again, when I came to the yellow highlighted areas, you know what I thought? I thought to myself, that's just common sense. Everybody knows that. I don't know why I even highlighted that. And at the time, it was the most profound thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. But what had happened is I internalized it. I internalized it to the point where I now thought it was common sense to don't pay off your house. I knew better. It was common sense that a 401k doesn't work. I figured those things out. And so at that next level, as I read this book, I was finding stuff that I didn't even see the first time I read the book. That's why people have to take my seminar three, four, five times. Some people come back every year and take it again because they're ready for a new idea. An idea that was in there from the very first time they took it, but they weren't ready for that idea. So a guy comes in and just realizes, i got to change my life. That's the first thing they learn. second thing they learn is, okay, I've got to go change some things about what I do with my money. You know, And they have to then finally get the guts up to do that. Then they do that. Now they come back, oh, man, I'm going to buy single-family houses. And then they go out and do that, and they go, you know what? Now that I come back and listen to it again, he's right, I should have bought multifamily. So now I'm going to go buy multifamily. And then they go buy a, you know, a five-unit, a ten-unit, and they come back a year later and go, man, I should leverage this up. Why did I stop? Why am I happy that I'm making $5,000 a month? I need to make ten or 20000 a month. And I need to do it, and to do it, i got to do the same thing. I've got to get off all my ideas that allowed me to get to the point of owning 10 or 20 units. I've got to jump off that idea and go deeper. That's the way that book works. So one day I was sitting at lunch, reading the book again. I saw two guys sitting at a table. They saw the book. I later found out one of them's name was Dan Pastorini. He was a quarterback for the Houston Oilers. And the other one was a guy who owned uh, the BMW dealership in town. Two very, very successful rich guys. And they, they called me over and said, hey, I see you're reading the book. I said, yeah. He said, how many times are you on that book now? How many times have you read it? I think they saw my highlighting colors. And I said, three. He goes, I'm at 11. Remember, it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. See you tomorrow. <laughs>
The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.